a budget is not a constraining exercise. It's an awareness exercise and it's worthless if we are not going to execute on it. Mm -hmm. We don't follow it. We fail. And then guess what happens? You create this negative feedback loop. Oh, I failed. I should have done this. Budgets are bad. But you know, like I can't, like I can't do it and you're not succeeding. No. Right. We're not, we're not improving. We're not moving forward. So then all of a sudden the implementation of this budget is actually being becoming more in a negative effect yep. than it is a positive effect because we feel like we're failing over and over again, which is why we talk about being realistic about it. Like Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your hosts, myself, Tim Bickmore, and my colleague, Dan Weiss. And today we are going to talk about spending habits. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to go into some some details around spending habits and what Dan and I typically see when we're working with our clientele. This is part two of the episode. What, what about just like setting up a budget in general? Since we've uh, talked about yeah, that, people get budget. so scared by that word. I think, you know, all right, where do I start with a budget? I think that a the B word, I always say that in our meetings, let's talk about the B word. I think everybody's immediate reaction is to go to the B, go to the budget, right? Mm-hmm. How do we create a budget? I think it's more difficult um, in order to uh, execute on, right? Um, because it's it's tedious. You have to pay attention. I'll use a really good example. Um, you know, in part of, let's call it the diet culture or or the health and fitness arena, a big thing that has come up is macros, right? So if you have your protein, carbohydrates, and I believe fats, and typically you want so many grams within the day. I had participated in this. It was very interesting for me because what I learned really quickly is I had no idea what I was consuming because I don't know food that well. Like, I don't know how much, how many grams a chicken breast is. I know it's protein, but I don't know the like, you know, this is how many grams it is. I don't know how much avocado fat there, you know, how much fat is in an avocado. So once I started tracking it, it was very like, whoa, I don't eat enough protein. And I had no idea because it was just something, but I can tell you that trying to track it every day consistently, not for me. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Not for me. I'm good. Like, But it did allow me to track it for some time to get a better understanding of what I was consuming. So I could make some of those iterations and some of those changes. But I don't worry about it as much. And I don't think about it as much. But I know where I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of have a general idea of what this may be. The reason why I bring that up is I feel like it's very similar to a budget. If you really wanted to do a line item by line item budget, you're tracking it every day. Mm-hmm. Who has the time to track it every day? Mm-hmm. Because you got kids, you got other things, you got friends. Like it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. The other hard part with the budget is it's great. There's a lot of fintech out there. We've talked about this on a lot of podcasts. Open authorizations not that great all the time. Connections break categorizations aren't appropriate, right? It's just a lot of work in order to make sure that you have a consistent ongoing budget. And I will say for part of the world, people in the in the United States, they love it. Nathaniel's a good example. He distresses him to go through his credit card statements on a daily to weekly basis. He is not the norm. He is the exception, That's right? For sure. 
It's just, it's just not the case. So it, but people can do it, which is great. And if you want to do it, it's fantastic. But if you're looking at the general population, I would say that most people don't have the time or don't want to do it. So it's hard. So when we're talking about the B word, it's like, all right, the other thing that we see is why do you need a budget? Hmm. Right. Why do you need a budget? Have you asked yourself that? Why do you feel like you're not spending enough or you're not saving enough? Do you know how much you're saving? What does this really look like? Right. So doing an analysis, and this is why what we do, right, is we break everything down and we do this every six months for all of our clients. We make sure we understand what's going on on the, the back level detail. And I always hear, I say this to anybody that probably knows me, it's the first thing they, that happens in our meetings. Tim, you're going to yell at me for spending too much. And then my next response to that is why? And then I show them what happened and they all go, oh, I didn't quite realize that because you're just not paying attention. And that's no fault to anybody. It just is hard. It's a, it's a lot of work to do. Yeah. And so if you don't need to budget, why would we be adding that stress to our lives? Mm -hmm. Because that added stress will affect your marriage, will affect your relationships, will affect your relationship with, with kids if you're not aware. And if you can have this idea or this awareness that you're like, hey, I am actually putting money, maxing out my 401k and my money is going into this non-qualified account and I do have a zero-based budget. And guess what? I've created a line in the sand where my lifestyle, I'm actually pretty good. I travel the way I want to travel. I do what I want to do. And we start looking at that. It's like, why save more money for what? Hmm. Right? Save more money for what? Mm -hmm. Just have more money? Yeah, why? Right? Why are we doing it? And the answer may be, Tim, it may be say, hey, Tim, I want more money. Great. Then you need to make the lifestyle changes. So because the other part with the budget kind of going full circle is what happens is if people start hmm. delayed gratification, which is a really, really big topic, delayed gratification is great. But through our experience, I've seen people do delayed gratification and actually never get the gratification of delaying it. Yeah, that is a big, that is a real thing. There is a balance, right? Balance is key. How can we balance out to make sure we don't completely and utterly screw ourselves for the future? but also live today because we're healthy. We have the ability to move. We have the ability to go places and to actually live life, right? That is very difficult to have that balance depending on where you're at financially. And the reason why I bring it up is if there are people in this United States that do need a budget, right? And it does make sense. They're on a very strict income, either retirees or if you're just starting out or just depending on where it's at, it makes sense. But before we start even talking about it, we have to ask ourselves why and do we actually need it? And how do we figure out if we actually do need it and where that's going? You know, that's really the bigger question. I don't love the line by line. I'll stop there for a minute, but that's that's kind of my overall. Those are some great comments. And uh, things are coming to my mind as you were talking that I'm jotting down here um, as my mind goes into a million different places here. And I, I don't I don't think... Um, I don't think that budgeting is just about constraining situations. It can have that result. I'll tell you right now that Tim and I are very, very reluctant to, we can do it and we have done it to do a budget for people if they are not ready for that. It doesn't, it's a waste of, it's a waste of our time and we don't have a lot of it and it's a waste of your time. And I'm sure you don't have a lot of it to create a budget and then have nothing done with it because you've got to be in the right mindset. And that mindset could differ. It could be a mindset of optimization. 
you don't need to cut stuff, but you just really want to refine it. It makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. It totally fine. Right. And I'll come back to that point. I think at the end here, but um, that could be a reason for it. It might be a need. It might be a situation where you, it isn't a need and you don't need to do it. And so don't. And the reality, like, like Tim is saying too, is if you, if you do track all this stuff and you don't need to, there's a lot of time, that's only half the battle. Yeah. I mean, once you track all this stuff, the question is, what are you going to do with that data? It's something we face all the time when people are tracking stuff. They're like, oh, I'm tracking it. We're like, great that you're tracking it. That's a wonderful check and balance for us because what are you going to do with that data? I don't know. Right. That, that's that's where we come into play usually on the planning side of things is what do you do with this data? On your own, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of resources. It's very difficult to do. Very similar to my first comment here about we're not going to do a budget for someone if, if they're not ready for it. There's no point in tracking that data mm-hmm. if you don't need to or if you're not going to do something with it. I mean, and I, I talk about this a lot. I like Dan's comment of we're not going to do it if you're not ready for it because what happens is if we do do it, we put a budget together and then guess what happens, Dan? We don't follow it. We fail. And then guess what happens? You create this negative feedback loop. Oh, I failed. I should have done this. Budgets are bad. But you know, like I can't, like, I can't do it. And you're not succeeding. No. Right. We're not, we're not improving. We're not moving forward. So then all of a sudden the implementation of this budget is actually being, becoming more in a negative effect than it is a positive effect because we feel like we're failing over and over again, which is why we talk about being realistic about it. Like, I don't want to sit here and talk about a budget if we can't be realistic. Going back to the first point of restaurant dining, can you actually stop going out to eat? Can you do that? If the answer is no, then let's not talk about it. A budget is not a constraining exercise. It's an awareness exercise. And it's worthless if we are not going to execute on it. Mm -hmm. It's just the reality of it. And there are tools that can be done, I think, to make it feel if it is something someone wants to do or find other ways to go about their finances where they don't have to do it. There is nothing wrong with having a discretionary account if you can afford to have a discretionary account. We don't we don't only just see this in the planning side. We see this in the investment side where people will be like, well, what a fun money account. You guys won't want that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, We love a fun money account if you can sustain it, because what it means is it means all the ideas that we probably think half are not great ideas. You can do it. You can do it. And it's not going to affect you. And what that does is it means it doesn't affect us. And you're getting, and you're learning. And you are learning. It's a huge education tool. Take the same thought, apply it to your personal finances. If you've got a component where you've got X, Y, and Z to spend on whatever be the case, what it probably does is it probably makes you feel a lot more secure about the boring, mundane necessary things that you have to spend on a day-to-day basis. And you might feel better about it because you've got X amount of money that you can blow on whatever you want to blow on. If that protects the overall home, the the mainframe of your finances, you know, go for it. We're we always tell people that we're not we're not people who want to tell you not to spend your money. We want you to spend your money. It's the point. Like go live life. Make it so that your money can bring you a better quality of life and a better quality of life of people around you. We just want it to be sustainable, and we just want it to fit your run your life narrative. Have it be parallel yeah. so that you're doing things that make sense to do. Um, what we don't want to see is we don't want, and this is I'll say this coming coming from the Jewish guy here is you don't want to be robbing Peter to pay Paul to get things done. Yeah. Just again, it's just an awareness thing of understanding and gamifying things sometimes can be dangerous and sometimes they can take off the edge. And there are so many ways to gamify this subject matter so that it works for you. 
Yeah. I think one of the a quick thought, and then I can give at least yeah. a, at least how I can sometimes think about budgeting to make it a little bit break down a little bit easier. But one thing too, is you have to think about it going back to this dieting uh, comparison or, or working out or health and fitness. Imagine you have the bodybuilder and you have the average Joe. The bodybuilder is optimizing, maximizing, trying to do something very specific, right? That, that takes a lot of effort, a lot of time and a lot of resources. The average Joe who's just like, I just want to be healthy is a very different budget, is a very different look, is very different. Both are not good or bad. It's just a preference. But you have to understand, are you the average Joe or are you the bodybuilder, mm. right? And where do you really sit and what do you want from it? And if you want to be the bodybuilder, we are down with that. But if you want to be the average Joe, that's awesome too. Or if you want to be somewhere in the middle, great, mm -hmm. right? It's just trying to find out what you really want and how you really want to move to make sure that it's everything's fitting and you're optimizing based off of your own preference. But what I don't like to see is the average Joe be like, I wish I was a bodybuilder. Like, but do you really want to do that? Because a bodybuilder has a very different plan, has a very different mentality, has a lot of things that they are doing in order to get to where they want to be. It's a different lifestyle. And I think at some point being like, hey, I love that you're the bodybuilder. And I love that I'm the average Joe and we're cool and that's great. But it's that that is one thing. The, the other thing I want to mention is if you're looking at budgeting specifically, sometimes it's hard to do line item by line item because it's so detail oriented. Another good way to think too is like, well, how much do I averagely average spend per month, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously we help that with our clients. Hey, this is what we look at. And then what you can do is if you have one to two credit cards or different bank accounts, it's like, hey, we spend with everything all in 15 grand a month, let's just say, okay? That's how much you get to spend. And guess what? You can spend on whatever you want. Mm. Just don't go over 15 grand. Mm -hmm. Then you don't have to think about, is this purchase this? Is that purchase this? And you watch those counts kind of grow, grow, grow. And as you get to the end of that month, you're going to be like, ooh, I need to dial it back. Right? Ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delay that, that travel purchase to next month. I'm going to push it into there, right? You, it's just an easier way to gauge where someone is at within their budgeting to kind of keep them in that realm. And again, that has everything built in, going out to eat, groceries, kids, whatever it may be, right? Just keeping it into that level, savings, whatever it may be. And then you can naturally just watch it climb, 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 climb. And then as you're getting tighter at the end of the month, that's when you can start kind of, you become more conscious or more aware of like, I'm an old off on that, yep. right? But it doesn't mean I don't get it, get it next month. It's just this month we're, we're pushing up onto our limits. It's, an, it's just a little bit of an easier way to think about it instead of thinking like, I'm only going to spend this amount on groceries. Okay. If you got two spouses, do you track the same credit card? Do you make sure you know how much it was? Was it groceries at Target or was it for the kids stuff? Or was Amazon really groceries or was it some other thing? Like it's just too tedious. It's mm -hmm. too detailed to try to track on an ongoing consistent basis because honestly, we don't have access to that itemized data unless you're tracking your receipts. And I can tell you right now, no one's doing that. No one's doing that. This is just, this is something where it's just not worth doing if you're not going to do it right. And the good news to that is that there's a lot of ways to do this right. You just got to fight the natural tendency to be your worst enemy, yeah. your own worst enemy. And uh, and and think about this in different. I mean, it's the problem is that most people's budgets when they come to us, they're not right. And then they're if they're going to do something, execute on it, they're compounding on inaccurate data just makes a bigger problem. But there maybe there are ways you can double dip. We have somebody, for example, where they love to travel. And so they they basically on all their free time, that's what they do. 
great. And guess what? They actually do it very inexpensively because they've aligned themselves with a social media uh, entity that basically pays for a big portion of these trips for them as long as they photograph themselves jumping off of a waterfall or something like that. Great way for the person to travel and be really light on the budget. Or another example might be going back to coffee where we started. Like, you know, we, we have a friend who is in marketing and he does a little bit of pro bono uh, marketing for some of the local coffee shops. And in exchange, they buy his coffee. Okay, great. The marketing thing for him is what he does. It's so easy in his head to process this that it doesn't take him that much time or effort because it's what he loves to do and it's what he does. And he doesn't have the coffee expense. Yeah. And he often treats me to coffee, which is very nice of him. But nonetheless, like there's there are ways to kind of play that. Well, we see a lot on the back end, um, you know, having talked to a lot of the staff before we were going to do this about, hey, what, what do you want us to throw out here on things that people miss? I'll tell you what kept on coming up. Um, it's that it's the people, they they basically they forget about the outliers. And outliers are often consistent, but they might be for different things. But people don't include that. They don't think about, oh, well, the furnace broke this this year. So I'm not going to include that in my budget. Okay, but the roof needs to be redone, redone too, right? So the water heater might go out. So that's something. It, and it's really kind of, um, I think Kennedy mentioned, and she's right. The focus is really when people try to budget on their non-discretionary um, expenses, what they got to pay for, right? But the problem is that does not make up the entirety of life. It's very easy to forget the small things that add up fast. It's very easy to forget about the utilities that you feel like you're really not seeing the value from, but they've got to get paid. It's really easy to forget about the gifts that you pay for people, especially if it's an annual expense because it's around you know, December or whatever be the case. And therefore, you don't think about it all but one month. But the cost could be fairly large. And mm -hmm. so when you allocate it over the course of 12 months, it, it, it's a budgetary item or things like phone bills or insurance costs, like anything that's like annually reoccurring. She said, we often see people missing the boat on. Um, and we're just, you know, we're, we're trained to think about it in this way. So just something to consider if you are trying to work with some budgetary stuff on your own. Yeah. Um, any last thoughts at all? Or? I mean, I guess my last thoughts is, uh, if with my own kind of thoughts is always looking at, if you're looking at budgeting, you're looking at it. I think that I say this a lot and we say, we repeat ourselves. We're broken records. And the thing I talk about that, another podcast, because it's just, it's just kind of consistent is the biggest mistake people make is understanding the value of the dollar. Right. And that's because the value of the dollar means something different to everybody. And society tries to get us to understand what the value of the dollar is, but it may not fit your values. It may not fit what you want. And it can be difficult. And the reason why I bring that up is it's directly related to this budgeting item. The other problem is that the value of the dollar is not always quantitative. It is qualitative, right? There is a lot of decisions that are being made that has nothing to do with money and has everything to do with how you feel. And how you feel is a return. It just is. And we have to recognize it. But if we don't step start having awareness around that, then we can't make the fundamental changes to get to where you may want to be quantitatively. So that in itself is difficult because that's self-reflection. That has nothing to do with an item. It has everything to do with you interpersonally or with your spouse and being on the same level as your spouse. And they're dealing with the same interpersonal. And then you start layering on top of family, friends, society. This is why it's not easy. 
right? It's not an easy thing to do, but if we want to address the root cause to start making fundamental changes, we got to start there first. Why are we spending? Why do we need to? Where is this coming from? Why do I feel like I need the Lamborghini? Is it valid? Is it invalid? Is it a fit? Is it not a fit based off of what you value? And if the answer is yes, Tim, the Lamborghini fits and we can afford it, go get the damn Lamborghini and own it, right? Own that purchase and be like, I feel good about it for the reasons why I've chosen it. Not because people are going to look at me and think, oh, you have a lot. It's like, no, I don't care because this means a lot to me specifically. That's how you maximize your dollar because it's your what you value. But you got to go really deep in understanding what those values are. It could be kids, could be travel, could be a million different things. So understanding the value of the dollar, step one, hmm. right? That's where you got to start. And then you can start understanding how you can then fit your budget around what you value. But you also have to bring, if you are have a, a significant other, you got to have the same conversation to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah. And you got to value how they value things that could mm-hmm. be very different than you. Yep. And be understanding of it. Yeah. That's really my, my last thing I got. That's a great thought and one that we definitely need to keep on repeating. Um, I, I I appreciate Tim bringing up that early model ice blue Jaguar uh, that my family once owned. Those driving factors, you may not understand where they're coming from. Um, I'm going to comment. We didn't really talk about much. Tim mentioned to me before this too is, you know, for, we work with a lot of first generational wealth individuals and families. Mm-hmm. That has a whole nother effect when it comes to spending um, that is specific to that, to what we often see in a mentality like that. But I guess the really main thing I kind of want to leave on is something that we talked about too, which is something that when I hear people say, um, it inside, it makes me smile because I know the, where this conversation is going. I'm smiling right now. You can't tell, but I am. And what I'm smiling about is uh, I'm spending too much. We hear it all the time. And it may not be a reality. It might be a reality to you, but I'm spending too much means that you are going backwards. You are not making it in my head. And the reality is that may not be the truth. You might have enough income to support stuff. It is a relative comment. You might be spending itty bitty bitty bit months compared to what other people are spending. But for you, you're spending too much. Not do I'm not laughing because I'm because I'm trying to uh, make fun of or denounce that that concept. But it just may not be really what's happening here. It may be perfectly fine. You might be spending too much compared to what you feel comfortable spending, but you may not be spending too much to the fact that it might might may or may not hurt your financial stability. Um, there are the, the other side comment I'll say that we usually hit on that I just want to strike on too, and we did a little bit, is there are levers you can pull. Tim used the word levers. He uses the word levers when he talks about planning all the time. And you can control your expenses to an extent, and you can control your income to an extent. At the end of the day, a lot of times people say, we're going to make cuts. We'll do a spend analysis. And the cuts, there are just no cuts to make based on your lifestyle and what you have to pay for or the timing in your life. You just can't do it or it's not impactful enough compared to the stress. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just got to ride that ship out. That's the reality of it. And that's okay. We want to help make sure that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you know where that is. So you know when you can start breathing better. But the end of the day is 
sometimes you can't do anything about it. So it's great to think creatively and maybe there's something that comes out of it. Just don't be too hard on yourself. It's mm-hmm. just what it is at times. I agree. Those are good comments. Thanks, buddy. That's all we got for you all today. So thanks for tuning in. And until next time, take care of yourself and have a great day. Like and subscribe. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.